It's been almost six years since the Prostitution Reform Act became law, making New Zealand the first country in the world to decriminalise sex work. One of its aims was to improve the safety of sex workers. But since the law was introduced, three Christchurch prostitutes have been murdered. Most recently, 27-year-old Mallory Manning, whose body was found in the Avon River in December. So has the reform made any difference? Shana Crispin investigates. It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday night and I'm in the centre of Christchurch's main red light district, Manchester Street. Just across the road from where I'm standing is the corner that Mallory Manning was last seen. Tonight another girl has taken up her post, a young brunette woman in a tartan miniskirt. At this intersection of Manchester and Peterborough streets there's a girl on each of the four corners and as you walk further towards the centre of town there's maybe two to three prostitutes per block. Cars are constantly going past and some even park up on the side of the road, perhaps waiting for a favourite girl to reappear. There seems to be a sense of excitement as the girls come and go between jobs and put themselves on display to draw in the next potential client. Only six years ago, any one of these women could have ended up in handcuffs. In 2006, it was estimated that of the nearly 400 sex workers in Christchurch, about 100 were working on the street. As they go about their trade, it's these street workers who are most at risk, and one of the aims of the prostitution law reform was to try to change this. The Act scraped through Parliament in 2003 with only a one-vote margin. The former Member of Parliament, Tim Barnett, was responsible for its introduction. We had a beautiful irony of sex workers who were paying income tax because inland revenue um, had no primary judgment about whether or not money was attained legally or illegally, so they were registering to pay tax as sex workers. They were receiving condoms free from the Ministry of Health, and at the same time, um, they were liable to arrest by the police, who so would then use the fact they were carrying condoms as evidence of the fact they were sex workers. Mm. So you had the state, the state recognising people's existence in some areas, and then and then not recognising in other areas. So there was a, a utter inconsistency in the way that the law was operating. New Zealand is different to other countries in that it has decriminalised prostitution as opposed to legalising the profession. With decriminalisation, emphasis is placed on creating law that aims to reduce the potential harms of the industry. This is meant trying to stop the exploitation of sex workers and increase their safety, working to get underage girls off the street and making safe sex practices mandatory. Half an hour, one twenty, three quarters an hour, one fifty, um, one hour, one seventy. And then you have doubles, uh, which is two ladies for half an hour, one's uh, 260, and your hour's 400. Um, then you have overnight prices. Sex worker Phoebe works at one of Christchurch's most infamous brothels, the Atami Bathhouse. But she hasn't always worked from the safety of a parlour. Phoebe began, as many girls do, working on Manchester Street, which she says is much scarier. When you're with a client, you're in their car, so you're a bit more vulnerable. They, you know, like drive off with you, don't listen to what you're saying, take to places where you don't want to be. Basically, you're quite helpless because you've, you know, got no backup following you. You're by yourself with them. You know, you've got more vulnerable for them pinning you down, not letting you out of the cars. They could hit you, grab your purse. You don't know what they're doing. You know what they've got on them, such as knives or anything like that. According to an estimation of the numbers of sex workers in New Zealand carried out for the Ministry of Justice in 2006, 
Only about 10% of prostitutes work on the streets, whereas 53% work in brothels, and the remaining 40% work in private parlours, including their own home. However, it's street workers that have become the face of prostitution, perhaps because they're trading out in the open and public, but also perhaps because of the dangers they face. The police in Christchurch have launched a homicide inquiry into the death of a young woman whose body was found in the Avon River this morning. A member of the public discovered the body and notified police shortly before 7 o'clock. The police are due to give a media conference shortly. Our reporter Shana Crispin joins us now. Since the law changed, three Christchurch street prostitutes have been murdered. Most recently, a passerby found the body of Mallory Manning in the Avon River in December. The police say it's likely she was strangled and then hit several times around the head with a weapon similar to a piece of reinforcing steel. Her murder and those of two other Christchurch prostitutes have raised questions about whether the Prostitution Reform Act has done much to improve the safety of street workers. One of its aims was to improve the relationship between the police and street workers, the idea being that if there was a more open flow of information, more criminals could be caught. Anna Reid from the New Zealand Prostitutes Collective says before the law change there was a definite divide. I think the feeling was that, certainly in the early days, that they wouldn't be believed or taken seriously if they reported a sexual assault. I mean, there was a bit of a mindset like, well, you can't rape a prostitute, can you? And um, I think that... Sometimes there were other things in their backgrounds that they didn't want the police uh, to know about. There are a lot of different reasons. But also, most importantly, they knew that they could be arrested for soliciting. And although it wasn't happening a huge amount, it did happen. And it was usually the street-based workers that were targeted because they were the easiest ones to target. The first prostitute murdered after the law change was Susie Sutherland, who died at the hands of Jules Patrick Burns in 2005. Burns is currently serving life imprisonment with a minimum non-parole period of 17 years. Anna Reid says street prostitution changed dramatically after that first murder. The police would go around and talk to people and try and get as much information as possible and I think that was probably the first time people started telling us that they realised that the police actually cared about their safety and this made this was a whole shift and change and so instead of becoming the bad guys and those people to hide from uh, they became sort of friends and allies. Detective Senior Sergeant Dave Harvey was in charge of the murder investigation. It was quite clear to me that we needed to keep in contact with what was going on within the prostitution area and the changing in legislation meant that it gave us an opportunity to look at them as part of our community which of course was totally different than the way they were perceived previously and from that point on we've been in active discussions with the Prostitutes Collective, YCD, Youth Cultural and Development Group who have Um, social workers who are on the streets helping out with wayward youths and trying to keep in contact both with those groups as to what issues they foresaw within that Manchester Street area and also I tasked my staff with going out there and talking to these people. Detective Senior Sergeant Harvey says there has been an undoubted change in the relationship between the police and prostitutes which has improved their safety. 
The Prostitutes Collective has also been involved in setting up a text messaging system, ProText, where any details of suspicious men are forwarded to all the working prostitutes in the area who have joined a database. Despite these moves, in December 2005, the body of a second prostitute, whose name is suppressed, was found in the Avon River. Stephen Waihapi is currently serving a life sentence for her murder, with a minimum non-parole period of 18 years. Three years later, Mallory Manning's body was found. Detective Senior Sergeant Dave Harvey is at a loss as to what more can be done to prevent future murders. Christchurch is an unusual city. There have most definitely been the three murders, and I've got no reason why there should be those murders happening in a conservative city. We're continually working with the Prostitutes Collective and the YCD to try to prevent it happening. I can't tell you what every male in the city is going to be doing or what might happen, but we are trying to do something. Sex worker Phoebe thinks there was probably a better relationship with the police before the law change. However, she says the street workers believe the police are doing everything they can to catch Mallory Manning's killer. Girls know that it's a hard one to solve. I mean, if they don't know how the, you know, and they're there, how the police supposed to, you know? Yeah, it's just hard to solve. Unless, you know, someone's going to speak out or, and some of them don't. I mean, you know, they might know who done it, but it's the fear of going and saying it, whether they'd get in trouble too. Detective Inspector Greg Williams has been heading the investigation into Ms Manning's murder. He says a strong relationship between the police and prostitutes has been extremely important as they gather information. Well, I think it's absolutely critical. The, the reality is that uh, the women working down there are there all the time. Um, they might have well have encountered this person leading up to Mallory's death and may well encounter this person post the death. So they retain a huge amount of information for us as does their minders, uh, who are down there all the time also. So studies overseas have pretty much shown that often the, the person responsible is a punter, or someone coming there, a client of some sort. So it, it's very important that, you know, that we build a strong relationship and a trusting relationship with them too. However, the nature of street work and the fact that many girls are on the street to support drug addictions means often they are unlikely to front up to police. Detective Inspector Williams says there's also evidence to show that street workers who use drugs are more at risk. We are not particularly interested in their drug issues at this point in time. As you can imagine, I think the key thing for us really is about information. I've heard that you know there's a reasonable amount of concern by the girls out there, which would be natural. So you kind of think that that would be a major motivator for them to, to come forward and give us information. I mean, some of them are clearly driven by drug use, uh, some are driven by alcohol use, and others simply uh, out there making money because that's the way they want to do that. But certainly we've seen from overseas studies that um, particularly girls who have um, used drugs uh, tend to be more at high risk simply because they're prepared to get in a vehicle. It's understood Mallory Manning had been a drug user in the past but was clean when she returned to the streets in the weeks before her death. Sex worker Phoebe had worked with her in the past and knew her well from her time on the street. It could have been a regular that she jumped in the car and knew. You know, and in that case, I suppose nothing in the world. I mean, if they want to make money and they know them, they would jump in the car and do it. So I suppose nothing in the world would have saved her, but it's sort of a hard one. Because usually the girls won't go too far from Manchester. They don't really travel away. They do it 
do their jobs within walking distance of getting back. So it's sort of an unusual jump in the car and let's travel somewhere to do it. So the chances she obviously knew him, maybe, here, to get in and travel out, you know. It's a hard one to say whether, that you know, something could have been done. But Phoebe says whatever happened, she thinks a whole new culture is emerging which makes street work much more dangerous than 10 years ago. A lot of girls won't report it, but there's a lot more girls getting um, punched over, money stolen off them, probably raped, you know, and they won't report that. And I think it's a whole new generation coming through, probably a lot younger too, a lot younger um, them on drugs themselves. Just a, a whole different ball game. Where the street was more your business middle-aged man, it's got younger out there, a lot of gangs and stuff like that. But a survey of more than 700 sex workers in New Zealand, published last year, suggests that decriminalisation has had a positive effect. Gillian Abel, a senior lecturer at the University of Otago Christchurch, was one of its lead authors. She says the law does seem to have improved the safety of street prostitutes. All the street workers that we spoke to were really positive about the Prostitution Reform Act and, and how they felt empowered afterwards. And, and yes, I, I think they felt safer. They, it's more difficult for street sex workers to to ensure their safety than in an indoor venue because when they get into a car, when they're going to an unfamiliar location, there's less control over that environment than you've got in an indoor um, venue and, and they recognise that, that it's maybe safer to work indoors but for a number of reasons, a number of um, street workers don't want to work under a management system where some of their money obviously has to go towards um, the business and you know, there's a lot of that um, need to want the money all, you know, the money is all mine. The law made it an offence to coerce someone into providing commercial sexual services and Gillian Abel says the law has definitely allowed street workers to make more sensible decisions about who they accept work from. A lot of it is gut instinct basically. If they don't like the look of somebody they won't get in the car with them and I think that's made it easier since decriminalisation that there's not that need to rush into the car because you're doing something illegal and you don't have time to stand on the street and, and suss somebody out, really, because you might get um, seen. So it's safer now that they've got more time to be able to check out whether they, they want to go with that person or not. The Prostitution Law Reform Act also made it illegal for a sexual transaction to take place unless a condom or other appropriate barrier is used, with a possible penalty of $10,000 if ignored. Gillian Abel says prostitutes have always been vigilant about practising safe sex. Because they've always been higher users, it hasn't made any change in the use because they're still using condoms a lot, but it's made negotiation of the condom a lot easier and that came out in our study because now it's part of the law and sex workers in their negotiations with clients who frequently ask for sex without a condom, now they can point to the law and say it's, you know, it's a requirement of the law. Brothel owners are encouraged to display flyers stating the law that both prostitutes and clients are legally required to practice safe sex. In 2005, a man was fined $532 after deliberately taking off his condom, which was the first ever prosecution of its kind. And as Anna Reed from the New Zealand Prostitutes Collective explains, it came as a bit of a shock to the man in question. 
never in his wildest dreams did he think that that was going to make the courts and his name would be in the paper when he did that. And uh, those flyers are very good backup because if you've got them in the room where you're you know, having sex and a client's trying to get away with doing something unsafely, you know, just point to that and just say, you know, it's against the law. And so I think, oh, oh didn't realise that kind of thing. According to the survey done for the Prostitution Law Review Committee, about 60% of street-based sex workers said they found it easier to refuse a client since the law change. Sex worker Phoebe says the mandatory safe sex clause has given sex workers a sense of empowerment. It's worked out quite well for the working girl and the fact that they can verbally say to a client, we can report you if you don't use a condom. We can actually go to the police and report you. So it's stopped. It's made the client think twice about even asking. It's been good for the working girls that they can turn around and say that and knowing that it can't, they can get prosecuted. The law reform also placed an age barrier on sex work, meaning only people over 18 years of age could work in prostitution. Of the sex workers surveyed, just over 1%, or around 25 of them, were underage, and that number doesn't seem to have changed. But the survey did find an increased awareness about this aspect of the law, suggesting that potential clients may be less likely to approach a young worker. Anna Reid from the Prostitutes Collective. Well, every so often somebody is prosecuted, a man is prosecuted for having an underage worker and they always make the media and this kind of um, probably sits in somebody's mind, oh, I better not, you know, I mean, every so often the police will go around taking number plates, or they say they do, and um, that goes into the media too. So I think people are a bit more wary of doing things that they might have felt quite um, easy about doing in the past. The police have also tried to have more of a presence around red light areas to discourage clients from employing the services of an underage girl. But Phoebe disagrees with the survey's findings and says while the law may have increased awareness, the number of underage workers has risen since her time on the street. It's made it worse. A lot more underages now than there's ever been because they just, I don't know, they think they can because it's decriminalised. Silly girls, but yeah. It's actually what they verbally say, oh, it's decriminalised, they can't get busted. The youngest I've ever, ever seen, there's no word where I would have been 12. And they say think they can do it. If they don't have Manchester Street, they'll find another place to go and do it. Phoebe says most of the more experienced street workers will try to discourage the young girls from taking up prostitution. Despite these signs of improvements, many, including the Christchurch Mayor, Bob Parker, believe street prostitution is simply not safe and needs to be eradicated, or at the very least, the law needs another review. In 2005, two years after prostitution was decriminalised, the Manukau City Council introduced a bill to Parliament which intended to ban street prostitution. The attempt failed and the council is now trying again and a working party has been set up to see what can be done to stop street prostitution in Monaco. It's led by city councillor Dick Quacks who says the renewed effort to alter the law is in response to the community's repeated demands. Street prostitution, now I don't hold any kind of moral view uh, on prostitution or street prostitution uh, but our community, especially in Hunter's Corner and round uh, Manurewa, are fed up with the number of street prostitutes uh, that are there every night um, and the problems that are associated with them, the, um, the feeling of it being unsafe, the 
gang members that are involved, uh, the pimps, the prostitutes themselves uh, involved in uh, uh, turf disputes and also uh, litter such as condoms left lying around. Last year, the Prostitution Law Review Committee looked into the situation in Monaco and how the council had tried to deal with it. It concluded that the problems mentioned by local residents and businesses were not solely caused by prostitution. The committee visited Manuko City and particularly Hunter's Corner. It seemed apparent to committee members that street-based sex workers were not the only cause of unease in the area. When discussing the matter with local police, the committee was informed that the main social problems locally are family violence and issues stemming from the abuse of alcohol. Mr Quakes rejects that claim. The problems that we have at both Hunter's Corner and Manurewa are solely to do with prostitution and the clients that come down there and buy the services off the prostitutes, the curb crawlers, the, the men that are hanging out down there, so those are the only problems that we have in those areas in, in related to uh, to the main street of Manurewa and Hunters Corner and Papatoitoi. Figures from the committee's report in 2005 showed of the estimated 423 sex workers in the county's Manukau area, 150 were street prostitutes. Mr Quack says it's important to get those workers off the street for their own safety. If you go back to why the, the Prostitute Reform Act was, um, was enacted or passed, it was to do with the safety. The, the primary goal of the parliamentarians was the safety of the prostitutes and the sex workers. Um, and I don't think that they gave very much thought at all to street workers. Uh, if you actually want to enact uh, or enable uh, that act to work for the safety of the prostitutes, I think it's important that they're not working on the street. It's a very dangerous environment. Two other territorial authorities, the Queenstown Lakes District Council and the Carterton District Council, have sought to ban street prostitution by implementing a bylaw which prohibits soliciting in public. This goes against the Prostitution Reform Act, which only gives scope for local authorities to regulate where brothels can be located and their signage. However, in its report last year, the review committee concluded that although it was concerned by the two bylaws, it considered their effect to be negligible because there were few, if any, street workers in the two regions. New Zealand is thought of as one of the most liberal countries in the world when it comes to laws on prostitution. While sex work is not illegal in Australia, street prostitution is. Except in New South Wales, where street workers can only be prosecuted if caught soliciting near churches, schools or other sensitive locations. Tim Barnett, the MP who sponsored the Prostitution Reform Act, says when putting the bill together, banning street prostitution was considered, but then rejected. If you start to ban one part of the activity... Firstly, a ban is unlikely to be obeyed. I mean, in Melbourne, when legalisation banned street work, street work still happened. It happened underground. It happened in situations that the police knew little about. So, and it's also completely inimical. It's completely opposite to the general thrust of decriminalisation. The review committee strongly advises territorial authorities against legislating to ban street prostitution, citing the fact that prohibition has never been successful and tends to only force it further underground. Instead, it advises councils to look at implementing more lighting, street cleaning and even city ambassador schemes. 
But Dick Wax maintains the Monaco City Council has decided that taking a bill to Parliament is the most appropriate way forward. We've looked at um, extra lighting, we've looked at CCTV, you know, we've installed those in those particular areas that prostitution is a problem in. Uh, we've also had council officers cleaning up after um, in, in the mornings. We have looked at the possibility of a bylaw. Uh, we've come to the conclusion that a bylaw wouldn't work either. So we have done just about everything that we can do. What I think needs to happen at this point is that there has to be an amendment to the Prostitution Reform Act which gives local communities an opportunity to say whether there can be uh, prostitution in their in their area in their streets, or whether we can whether we can actually be given the right to ban it from our streets. While a small number of territorial authorities continue to battle against decriminalisation of prostitution, the Law Review Committee says most have dealt with it well, and the majority do not receive complaints. The Justice Minister Simon Power has refused to comment on the issue other than to say the government does not plan to review the law in the near future. However, he says he's happy to speak with city councils, in general terms, about any concerns they have. That programme was written and presented by Shana Crispin. Technical production was by Chris Adams and the producer was Sue Ingram.